The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. You remember when you were little and you'd skin your knee and how bad it hurt? I wonder if we get older, we just some of our pain nerves die. It doesn't seem to hurt quite as bad when you skin your knee or smash your finger or do some of those things that you used to do. But you remember you had a good cry and get some medicine on it. I used to really check, see whether they were using Mercurochrome or what's that other one? Iodine. That hurt. That stuff hurt. And I'd watch. I, I could read iodine. I couldn't read Mercurochrome. I just knew it was a long word. And I knew iodine was a short word. And she'd grab out that short word, we can fight. But uh, Mercurochrome, I didn't matter. Somebody had no clue what I'm talking about. But that's all right. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, you kind of live through uh, 30 minutes or so and is all right. Adult pain seems to hurt in your heart a whole lot more and last a whole lot longer and is a lot more crippling. You know, you used, and, and I remember vividly how bad, I fell out of a tree one time and knocked the breath out. I'm laying there on the ground going, <coughs> I figured this is it. I'm going to die right here in the chicken coop. It was a big tree. <laughs> Stunk too. <laughs> it was a big tree. Went up over that chicken coop. And I was up there climbing in it. And I missed a step. <laughs> but uh, things hurt. But they hurt a lot worse as an adult in your heart and in your spirit. And what I want to share today is it's not so much what life deals us that's the problem, but how I deal with that is what causes the problem. That's what hurts. Uh, the Bible promises in John 6:33, "In this world you will have trouble." Now there's a reason for that. When God created humankind, he put us in this perfect garden. It was without sin. It was without the effects of sin. Once we sinned in our forefathers, Adam and Eve, there was a judgment brought on creation. Not just men, but on creation. Everything fell. Bible calls it a curse, but really it's a judgment. It's a consequence of that sin. We walked in perfect fellowship with God. Everything was in perfect harmony. Uh, nature, men, and God. We were all in perfect harmony. But after that rebellion against God, and that's where they disobeyed God, that's rebellion. Uh, basically, Adam and Eve said, God, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've said. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's basically what sin is, by the way. Sin is always a matter of God. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you want me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's what sin is. And as a result of it, God said, okay, go on. 
but there's a consequence that comes with it. And that consequence doesn't only affect me, it affects others around me. Okay? Such that if I do something get myself in jail, not only do I suffer being in jail, my family suffers embarrassment, they suffer lack of income, they suffer all kinds of... Con and they didn't do anything. You understand? There is a, there's a downhill spiral that comes with disobeying God and there's a consequence that follows. And that's exactly what happened after Adam and Eve. There was this downhill spiral that took place and it's still going on. In fact, years later, Joshua gathered together Israel after they had crossed the Jordan and took back the land and Joshua gathered all the people together and here's what he said. I go the way of all the earth. I go the way of all the earth. What was he saying? Everything in one way or the other deteriorates and perishes. It either rusts away, rots away, or just outworks its usefulness and it dies. Everything eventually perishes. And we're in a constant state of perishing. Scientists can tell us exactly how many cells of our body die every day. Now, when we're young and healthy, those cells replenish themselves. There's a point in time where you lose more than gets replenished. You kind of look like this when you walk. And then after a while, you don't walk. And then after a while, somebody else carries you. Isn't that right? Everything begins to deteriorate or decay one way or the other. And not only that, but also there is an inter internal suffering that comes along with it. All of the earth is under this. So Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. The psalmist says, my heart is wounded within me. I fade away like an evening shadow. Well, let's look at how to handle heartache, disappointment, loss, and suffering. Because there's a lot of that going on. We live in a culture when the family units are beginning to be broken up more than ever before. Uh, you go into any school system and the teacher has a role and rarely do you find that the student and the parents have the same last name. I'm not judging that. I'm just saying it's a sign of the culture that we live in. And that little family unit, well, when family units break up, there's absolutely no way to stop the heartache and suffering that goes with it. It just, it's there. It's always going to be there. There are always going to be the consequences, the residue, the leftover of that.
We live in a day where, sadly, there's a lot of drugs, there's a lot of addiction, there's a lot of abuse of different uh, agents and so forth or the other. And there's always suffering left over because of it, not only in one's personal self, but in the extended family. We, we live in a day where uh, there's a lot of people affected by different criminal activities. Suffering and pain live, uh, is a result of it. Embarrassment. It's, there's some uh, that, that have had can folks in jail. and it, It's embarrassing. It hurts your feelings. It scares you. It, it, you, want, you worry about it. You can't help but worry about it. There's all kind of financial stress. People literally are just living hand to mouth. And you're just one paycheck away from being in the street. And we know that. And you live with that kind of pressure all the time. At work, you're demanded to do more with less. A lot of people are being cut back to part-time, 29 hours. Why? Because people are afraid of the Mandatory Health Care Act and what it's going to cost the individual employers. And so we live in a day of high stress. High stress. They're giving gas away now. Well, you can buy it for $3.13. You almost feel that way, don't you? I mean, I'm laughing, but you almost feel that way. It came down, what, from 380 something to 330 They're giving it away. No, they're not either. And about this, this, back when it was 380 and something, people were telling me about where you can get it cheaper than that, and I'm thinking you can get $3 a gallon cheaper, 20 gallons, that's 60 cents. I don't know how long I'm going to stand in line for 60 cents or how far I'm going to drive to save 60 cents. When you get about 16 miles to the gallon, you don't have to go too far before you lost your, your 60 cents in the, in the journey. Uh, it's just crazy the world that we live in. And coming with it is a ton of stress and a ton of heartache. The amount of sickness, and especially as we, as we get older. You know, for years and years and years, I buried church members. Now I'm, I'm burying very close friends. Why? Because before I was in my 30s and 40s and I was burying 70-year-olds. I knew them. I loved them. Now I'm 64 and I'm burying 70-year-olds. And guess what? They're dear friends. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? how after a while it begins to get real personal, real personal. Every time I bury a mother or a father, it's so hard on me. I didn't realize what I had done. My brother and I conducted the funeral of both my mother and my daddy. And you've done this public work as long as I have. You can stand down there and cry. And you immediately come up here and dry up and become professional again. I didn't grieve like I should have for my mother and my father. I was too busy being a preacher. 
And then when I meet with a family now, you know, behind that little curtain and they've lost their mom and they've lost their daddy, I just sit there and cry with them. Because I, I sense and I really feel the loss that they're going through. So I hope I've made it an understanding. Everybody in here hurts. Everybody in here suffers one way or the other. You suffer from heartache because of a family situation. You suffer from stress, so much pressure. Or you suffer physically, some ailment, some, some disease, some something. So everybody has pain. Jesus said, as long as you live here, you're going to have some. And it hurts. Your heart's wounded, and you just feel like you're going to faint, swoon, just fall down. So let's look at some things. First of all, what won't work? What won't work? Ignoring it. Ignoring it. Psalm 39, 2 and 3, when I was silent, not saying anything, my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me. And I was uh, uh, medita meditated and the fire burned. I the fire burned. It grew. You ever done that? Sat around felt sorry for yourself? And then just get angrier and angrier and more frustrated. And I love it when, and sometimes I'm good at it too. I like to have that plum party. Pull a little me. You know? I don't deserve this. I've been a good guy. I've done it right. Why do I have to go through this? Others seem to be able to do it and get away with it. I just don't understand. Did you ever ask yourself, I was a good parent. Some of them heathens, how do they have such good kids? <laughs> you go through all that, you know. And you just sit there and go over it and over it. Well, it won't work to ignore it. It won't work to run from it. Listen, listen to this. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove and I would fly away and be at rest. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. Sometimes I look up at one of them airplanes and I don't care where it's going, I just wish I was on it. And then I know I can't afford to do that, so then I just go to my happy place. You got a happy place? Just take a little imaginary trip, lock everything else out, and go to your happy place. And those of you that don't have pills that create that for you, I understand that. <laughs> you <t> <laughs> <laughs> and uh, happy place and sometimes we just want to take a mental vacation and run away from our they're still there when you get back we try to cover it up we try to hide it there's a time when I wouldn't admit my problem according to Psalm 32.3 but my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration so something happens and shh, maybe nobody will find out about it I might be embarrassed they might throw me out of the church 
boy, anybody that throws somebody else out of a church, that would empty the house around here. You understand? That would just about empty the house if we started taking inventory and pitching people out because they didn't exactly fit the mold. Of course, we have, an, we have a false mold that we make up, and we want to, and all of us, if we can wear our mask well enough. I have prayed forever not to have a church where people wear masks. Masks are a terrible thing. A new Christian comes in, and a new Christian asks, he's sitting there and he doesn't know anything, and he says, he says, you know, where's Ezekiel in the Bible? <laughs> you think you'll ask that question again? Nope. And guess what? You think he learns where Ezekiel is? No. He just acts like he does. He's just turning his Bible to something or act like he left his glasses at home and he doesn't learn anything. He makes some kind of stupid statement about what he thinks or what he believes. You've got to be kidding me. And you think, he didn't know any better. Until they grow, until they learn. Now, it's a, you know, Paul said the problem with most churches is you got 30-year church members that are still spiritually stupid. Now, that's a problem. That's a problem. But new Christians, and so what do new Christians do when they realize that the church is not going to give them a room to be a baby and to grow up? They just get a mask and put on. They find them a costume to wear, a righteous costume, you know? And then they just fit in and just sit there and play the game like everybody else does. And that's sad. And so, hiding is not going to be the issue. Lord, worrying about it don't help. Now, personally, I hadn't learned to fix that exactly. I know it doesn't help. But, I, but I'll tell you about worry. Worry is very similar to other human uh, frailties. It, it, it's, akin to, uh, it's, it's akin to temptation. It's akin to lust. It's akin to uh, all, you know, the Ten Commandment don'ts, like don't envy and don't do this. and don't. Well, I know you're not supposed to envy, but have you ever envied? You know, you see that car going down the road. And I don't know, I couldn't afford the gas, forget it. And or the insurance. And you know, you, you can't help but do well, worry is one of those things. But to not check worry becomes an awful thing. If you don't uh if you don't deal with it, if you don't uh if you don't re, uh, 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 try to bring it under control. Look at Psalm fifty five two. I am worn out by my worry. Now, whatever it was that caused you to worry, when you get through worrying, are you better or worse? You're worse for it. You haven't helped yourself at all. And it says, I am so worried, I cannot speak. It saps you of all of your energy and all of your strength. What do you do about it? 
I'm telling you, there's some times that you just have to fill your life with Christian things. The Bible says whatever things are pure, whatever things are holy, whatever things are good, you think on those things. Well, if you leave yourself without those things, all you got left is worry and stress and stress and worry. So what do you do? You start getting some Christian uh, books or some Christian preaching and teaching around you. I find Christian music really good stuff. Just turn it on. Just start listening to it. And I, I like modern stuff, but my emotion responds easier to old stuff. And so I got a bunch of old stuff that I listen to. Kid think today, what is that garbage? But it, it deals with my little soul, so I don't care. Uh, you listen to what you need to. I'm going to listen to what I, what I need to. But it, it's healing. It's softening. Get around some Christian friends, some posit, positive Christian friends. And lift yourself out of the doldrums. I was really down in the dumps one time. I was feeling so bad. And Linda asked me, do you want to go to a movie? No, I don't want to go to a movie. What do you want to do? I said, I want to go to Esther's and James Robert. That's when her husband was alive. And Linda says, why do you want to do that? I said, it's the craziest place on the planet. It's totally insane. James would get his tongue uh, wrapped around his eye tooth and couldn't see what he was saying. He told his daughter one time she was going on a trip, don't get in a hot tub, you might get Gunga Den. <laughs> Come on, you'll think about that after a while. And <laughs> he said fire always burns better with gasoline. There's no need to be late to work. You got all night to get ready. He and Yogi Berra could have a conversation they'd both, in, they'd both understand. I mean, they would have enjoyed it. And it was all just accidental stuff. And then Esther would be fussing at him. He'd be fussing at Esther. They didn't mean nothing back. So we just go over and hang out. Because it was lighthearted. It picked you up. Now, you got another choice. Go home, pull the covers up over your head. And what's accomplished when you do that? You just worry more. You go deeper into the depression. Uh, you can just, you know, you can go drink. You can go take drugs. You can, I mean, there, you can watch pornography. You can do a lot of things temporarily to numb yourself. And when all of that passes, what happens again? You're right back in the same boat. None of that stuff works. Hang around folks that can encourage you. Get with Christian music. Get with some, the Word of God. Open it. Study it. Look at it. Listen to it. Let God begin to take away. Fill your mind with something else. Don't resent it. That'll make, ooh. When my heart was grieved and my spirit, what? embittered I was senseless ignorant how many people have done things in bitterness that made the hole deeper 
They dug a deeper hole because they allowed themselves to get bitter. How many times did a two-day problem become a six-week problem? Because of bitterness. Took me a while. But I understood finally that Linda was entitled to have a bad day every now and then. You know, somebody's having a bad day and it ain't your fault and you walk in and you get hit with it. What do you want to do? Spack! I didn't cause that. Get away from me. That really works good for prolonging the situation. So you walk in. Things are a mess at the house. Pat her on the rear end, tell her you love her. Ask her what she can do to help out. It goes away. Boy, she sat there as long as she could. Aren't you proud of her? Come on. She stood it as long as she could. <laughs> it's a it's a joke. It's an ongoing joke at our house. I'm not going to. Anyway, the last is don't give up. Don't give up. See, that's what Satan wanted. If you're a believer, Satan cannot have your soul in hell. You belong to God. What he really wants to do, though, is to cause you to be ineffective. If he can't have you in hell, he does not want your Christianity to spread. Right? He wants to suppress you. He wants to numb you. He wants to put you on the bench. He wants to muffle you, handcuff you, cripple you, so that as a believer... You're no longer effective for the kingdom. Out of the depths, out of the depths, I cried to you, O Lord. Psalms 116. If you have your Bible or that one in front of you, just grab up Psalms 116 a minute. Because I'm going to tell you about Psalms 116. I really believe in Psalms 116. David was contemplating suicide. Pick up your Bibles and look at it. Psalms 116. Look at verse 3 and 4. It says, The pains of death, actually the bonds, the bonds of the grave, it was like he had ropes tied on him. It was like he was actually bound and being pulled into the grave. The, the, the very grip of death of the grave was pulling on me. And he goes on to say that uh, everywhere he, 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 was, uh, he found trouble and sorrow. Everywhere. He'd turn here, he'd turn there, he'd turn in every direction, and all he could find was sorrow. And he said, literally, 
up in, uh, up in the third verse again, he said literally, uh, the pangs of, of the grave had laid hold on me. He was literally hung where the only outlet seemed to be death. The only outlet for him seemed to be death. And you can deny it, you can, but I, I'm telling you, there are a lot of folks that have been on that verge, have been on that edge. Sadly, I've had to bury a lot of folks that that happened. But I want you to look at verse 4. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord righteous? Yes, our Lord is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, but he saved me. Oh, return unto your rest, O oh my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. You have delivered my soul from death. You have delivered mine eyes from tears and my feet from falling. You see what it says? His heart broken. He was just crying his eyes out. He was stumbling, falling, didn't know which way to go. His soul literally was at the verge of death. But he cried out to God and what happened? God picked him up. God delivered him. And I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how low you feel. When you reach out to God, you have absolutely no choice God will pick you up. He will lift you up. So what will work quickly? <clears throat> I poured out my complaint before him. I told him my trouble. My spirit grows faint within me. It is you who know my way. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are a crushed spirit. Did you ever really get mad at God and tell him off real well? Well, no, I wouldn't do that. God would much rather you talk to him angrily than not talk to him at all. God had much rather... You cry out to him. God had rather you show your anger, your frustration. God wants you to reveal your real heart to him. What do you think? He doesn't know it already? You think it's some big secret that you're bitter, that you're discouraged, that you're ready to give up? You think God doesn't know you're thinking about suicide? Huh? You ever been at the grocery store and you got a little child with you? And the little child is begging for this and begging for that. And you're just trying to watch the cash register, make sure you don't pay too much or they take your coupon or whatever. And the kid's grabbing this, the kid's grabbing that. And you say, no, put it up. Little kid looks at you and says, I hate you. How bad is that wrinkle you Shut up, kid. I'm going to go home and feed you and everything will be okay. 
Why doesn't that upset you too bad? Because you love the child and you're trying to do best for the child. The problem is the child doesn't understand. We don't understand what God's doing either. He knows that. Cry out to him. Talk to him. Tell him, man, I don't understand this and I don't like it one bit. Give me some help here. See, we don't ask, what we ask for is relief. We don't ask for understanding. We don't ask for, I saw a sign, church sign one day that said, don't ask for a lighter load, ask for broader shoulders. See, sometimes we just, all we want out of the deal is ease up. You don't always learn and grow from easing up. You learn and grow from enduring and going through it and coming out on the other side stronger. I love to be in line when a woman's got a bunch of kids in front and they're all begging and asking for this, that, and the other. Hush, don't do that. I turn around and say, ask again. She's getting weaker. Father, unlike humans, you're not going to get weaker, but you do love us. You do love us. And you want to use the troubles, the pressure, and all of the difficulties of life to grow us closer to you, to make us stronger, to make us emotionally stronger, spiritually stronger, mentally stronger, to grow our love and our intensity of being able to be strong men and women for Jesus Christ. You read the book of Hebrews and chapter 12 and you'll find out we're just a bunch of wimps. Chapter 11, we're just a bunch of wimps. We're a bunch of sissies. Our Christianity is all about me. Give me what I want. But I'm not willing to sacrifice, to lay down before you, to suffer for your causes. God, would you speak to our hearts, strengthen us and grow us. Now, there are people this morning who are hurting. I know it. And if you lead them, I'm here to have a word of prayer with them, to give them a word of encouragement. And however you move and work in our hearts, some might just need to come here to the front of the church and or they just turn around in their seat and bow down and pray. I don't, some are just going to stand there silently and love you. But God, as your spirit moves, we, we commit this time of invitation to you in Jesus' name. Amen.